As touching our brother Apollos, I greatly desired him to come unto you with the brethren, but his will was not at all to come at this time, but he will come when he shall have a convenient time. Watch ye, stand fast in the faith, could ye like men be strong, that all things be done with love. I beseech you, brethren, you know the house of Stephanus, it is the first fruits of Achaia, and that they have given themselves to the ministry of the saints. You should submit yourselves to such, to every one that helpeth with us, and laboreth. I am glad of the coming of Stephanus and Fortunus and Achaius, for that which was lacking on your part, they have supplied, for they have refreshed my spirit and yours. Therefore, acknowledge you them that are such. The churches of Asia salute you. Aquila and Priscilla salute you much in the Lord with the church that is in their house. All the brethren greet you, greet you one another with a holy kiss. The salutation of me, Paul, with my own hand. Any man love not the Lord Jesus Christ, let him be anathema, maranatha. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. My love be with all, with you all, in Christ Jesus. Welcome to the Unchanging Word Bible Study. Our teacher is Dr. John G. Mitchell. We live in difficult times, but we can expect our God to provide answers to the big questions in your life through His Word. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. Life begins at Calvary, there my Savior died. He took my place and by His grace came with me to abide. All I need for living is mine by just believing. Life begins at Calvary, life that never ends. Jesus said, Even as the Father has loved me, I have also loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken unto you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be made full. This is my commandment, that you love one another, even as I have loved you. John chapter 15, verses 9 through 12. Dr. Mitchell finishes our study in 1 Corinthians chapter 16 today. Here he is in verse 12. Thank you. Good day, friends. Again, we come to you, and we are in the 16th chapter, the last chapter of the first book of Paul to the Corinthian church. We've been discussing here Paul's closing instructions to his people at Corinth. And you remember in the first part of the chapter, he advises them of having the, their gift ready when he comes by. Gift for the poor saints at Jerusalem. They were in great need. And being members of the church, the body of Christ, we care for each other. You remember when one member suffers, all suffer. When one rejoices, all rejoice. We're knitted together in a company called the church, the body of Christ. This is made up of every real believer in Christ. I don't know what label you have on the, what church you belong to denominationally, but if you love the Savior, you belong to the same church that I belong to, the church of Jesus Christ. And how glad I am that as Paul wrote this to the Corinthian church, he was reminding them of the life they have in Christ is the same life they had with the poor saints of Jerusalem, and they were in great need. And so you have this question of the grace of giving. 
emphasized. And Paul did not want to go down there and take a love offering for them. He wanted them to do it before he came. He didn't want to put them under pressure. And then we had the possible journey. If the Lord uh, allowed him, if the Lord was willing, if the Lord permitted him, he'd go down to be with them at Corinth and winter with them. But he didn't know whether he'd go now or not. I think Paul, they was concerned about their condition, which would bring him sorrow instead of joy. He mentions that in the second chapter of Second Corinthians, why he didn't go down to see them. And then he talked about the effectual door, an open door for him for the word of God at, at Ephesus. You remember that was where the word of God grew and prevailed and God wrought special miracles by the hand of Paul, though there were many, many adversaries. And it's hard to say what Paul suffered while he was at Ephesus. But the implication, or should I say the intimation he gives to us, when he said, the Lord delivered me from the mouth of the lion. Uh, the Lord delivered me from the mouth of these beasts at Ephesus. Wherever the word of God is given and the power of the Spirit of God, you're bound to find opposition, especially on the mission field. If I may speak to that point for a moment, if we had 1,000 missionaries going out today, we couldn't begin to do the job that's to be done. In fact, many mission stations are closing. The opposition to the gospel is becoming more and more keen and violent. And who knows what the future holds for the Church of Christ. When I think of the present-day condition in the mission fields of the world, God give to us men, God give to us women, were sold out to the Savior, absolutely, com completely abandoned to the will of God. And when they give out that word in these places where the word of God does, is opposed, they're going to have opposition, they're going to have persecution. You pray for every missionary on the field because Satan is still on the job. He never gets tired. And he knows that his time is short. And hence the opposition increases, especially when the word of God is given. And may I say, my friend, even today in America, there is an opposition to the word of God that's growing intensely. You and I haven't got much more time to give out the precious gospel of redeeming grace. I just plead with you to redeem the time. And Paul, you could say, I'm going to tell you at Ephesus, there are many adversaries. And then I like his thought concerning his fellow workers there's no jealousy here. There's no envy here in Paul's heart. He didn't take the place as being one who's going to rule the roost. No, first of all, he pleads for his son Timothy in the faith. And my, how Paul loved Timothy. You remember in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 12, he tells them to let no man despise your youth, but be an example in godliness, in ministry to others. So he advises the Corinthian church to take in this man, Timothy, and encourage him in the things of the Lord, because he worketh the work of the Lord, even as I, Paul, do. And then he has a kind word for this man, Apollos. Verse 12, As touching our brother Apollos, I greatly desired him to come unto you with the brethren, but his will was not at all to come at this time. But he will come when he shall have a convenient time. Now, it's possible that Apollos didn't want to go to Corinth either because of the conditions there. I don't know. It doesn't say that. 
But what I like here is Paul's condition, Paul's attitude to Apollos. He didn't take the, the place of a senior minister of the Word of God or as one who had such authority that he could command Apollos to go. No. He looked upon Apollos as a fellow worker. I like the meekness, tenderness of Paul here concerning Apollos. You remember in chapter 3, they were divided over Paul, over Apollos, over Peter, and so on. But he doesn't take a place of jealousy or of envy. He says, I've talked to Apollos. Ask him to go down and see you. But he didn't feel he ought to go down at this time. But he will come when he has a convenient time. I just say that. How wonderful to have these men, not filled with jealousy, but with a great desire to encourage each other in the things of Christ. Now we come down to a personal exaltation. Exhortation, verses 13 to 18. And before I do that, I want to read the last verse again of chapter 15. And then come on down to chapter 16, verse 13. Please notice it. I'm reading from Corinthians 15, 58. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. For as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Now look at verse 13, final word, watch ye, stand fast in the faith, quit ye like men, be strong, let all things be done with love. I'm very much tempted to go back into Corinthians, chapters 13, chapter 15. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Watch ye, stand fast in the faith, Quit you like men, be strong. Let me just stop for a moment. Watch. You watch, be on the alert. It's like a sentry on duty in the army. He's got to be on the alert, can't go to sleep. And because of the times, Paul says, watch. Watch. God against indifference, God against coldness. Be on your God against slothfulness. Watch. Too many of God's people are asleep. They don't want to be, they want to be left alone. Don't bother me. We ought to be on the alert. I repeat it like a sentry on duty in the army. Why? Because of the indifference. It's so easy to become indifferent. It's so easy to become cold and lukewarm. It's so easy to be slothful, to be indifferent. Watch. Be steadfast in the faith. Stand fast in the faith. There's so much confusion, so many false teachers. God against fickleness. God against uncertainty. Be like the Apostle Paul when he said, I know whom I have believed, and I am persuaded that he's able to guard the deposit until that day. Or like... And he wrote to the Philippian church, being confident of this very thing. He which hath begun a good work in you shall perfect it until the day of Jesus Christ. Philippians 1, 6. Why should I stand fast in the faith? Because there's so much confusion, so many false teachers. In 2 Corinthians chapter 11, you remember Paul warns him. What he says that Satan himself comes as a minister of righteousness. What for? to deceive the very elect if it were possible. 
He comes as a wolf in sheep's clothing, comes to deceive. That's why the Apostle John is so adamant on this matter. In 1 John, for example, chapter 4, if any, we ought to be able to, to discern between the spirits. There are those who do not believe that Jesus is the Christ. And those who do not believe that Jesus has come in the flesh is, as a spirit of Antichrist. This is the denial of the incarnate Word of God. My friend, this is true today in America, even among evangelicals that are those who do not believe in the incarnate Word of God. I want to guard against us. Be steadfast in the faith. You remember in chapter 2 of 1 John, he talks about the spirit of Antichrist, to know the spirits. And in chapter 4, he takes it up. I'm reminded of that passage also in the same passage, chapter 2, where he said, I write to you young men because you're strong and the word of God abideth in you and you have overcome the wicked one. Love not the world. You've got a new enemy, the world. You're to stand fast in the faith. We have three implacable enemies, the world, the flesh, and the devil. And my friend, you can't afford to go to sleep. You've got to watch. You've got to stand fast in the faith. And then you've got to quit yourself like men. The time calls for men, not for babies, not for babies, for maturity. Do you remember Paul could say to the same Corinthian church, I'd like to write unto you as unto men, but you're carnal. You act like babies. What we need are men. I want to tell you, my friend, what the Church of Christ in America needs are men, mature men. Those who will not run away when the battle is hot. That's why Paul here says, I've got a great effectual door to me at Ephesus. And there are many adversaries, but I'm not going to run. I'm not going to run. It's easier to run than to stand. I'm reminded of, uh, of Ephesians chapter 6, where we ought to stand like men. Three times, I think, in that passage from Ephesians 6, 10 to 18, we're to stand, not to run. Hence, quit yourselves like men, and then be strong, be strong, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. We have a terrible, as I said a moment ago, we've got a terrible, implacable enemy. That's why Paul could say to, the, to Timothy, 2 Timothy 2, 1, Thou therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that's in Christ Jesus. Or to the Ephesian church, verse 10 through 18, as good soldiers were to stand, stand having our loins girt about with truth, having on the breastplate of righteousness, and our feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, and take the shield of faith, wherewith ye can quench all the fiery darts of the wicked, and take the helmet of salvation, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. How can we be strong? By abiding in the word of God. That's why I love that first psalm, which I believe is a messianic psalm. Do you remember where David writes, we are not to stand in the way of sinners, nor sit in the seat of the scornful. 
But our delight is to be in the law of the Lord, the word of the Lord. And in his law, in his word, to meditate day and night. And my friend, you cannot be strong for God unless you stay in the word of God. Take the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. It's the only aggressive weapon you have. All the other parts of the armor are for protection. Helmet of salvation, breastplate of righteousness, loins girt about with truth, feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of faith, the shield of faith. That's all for protection. And take the sword of the Spirit. And too many of God's people. Now, I'm not questioning that they're God's people. But the sword never leaves the scabbard. They've never learned to wield the sword. They remember that people are saved by the word of God. Remember that God's people are cleansed by the word of God. You can't live a spiritual life without the word of God. You can't be cleansed daily except by the word of God. 119 Psalm says, Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way, but by taking heed according to your word. Thy word have I hid in my heart, that I might not sin against you. Jesus said, You're clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. Paul wrote to the Ephesian church, and he said, That, you might, that God might cleanse the church by the washing of water, by the word. And people are saved by the word. The Spirit of God using the word of God through the man of God. God give us men today who'll stand, who'll be on the alert, who'll stand fast in the faith, quit themselves like men to be strong. Oh, I wish I could spend more time on that. If ever there was a need for us as God's people, and I'm speaking to Mitchell when I'm talking, it's so easy to neglect the word of God. It's so easy to say, well, it's kind of dry, or I'm too tired, I can't get anything out of it. Whether you get anything out of it or not, you read it. It'll, it's a moral cleanser, don't you forget that. And if you mean business with God, remember, he means business with you. And then he adds one further word in there, let all your things be done with love. And how he presses this truth and the importance of this truth. I'm tempted to go back to, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not love, I'm just an empty tin can. Though I give my body to be burned, though I give all my goods to feed the poor and have not love, I'm nothing. Love suffereth long and is still kind. Love envieth not. Love vaunteth not itself, is not puffed up. Never behaves itself unseemly, never seeks its own, is not easily provoked. It thinketh no evil. Love never fails. Oh, what a need there is today among God's people for genuine love, the one for the other. That's why I like Paul here in chapter 16. He manifested that love for Timothy and that love even for Apollos. No enmity, no jealousy, uh, not wishing to have the other man's gift and so on. Oh, how easy it is to not manifest love to our fellow believers. Sometimes people say, I wish, I wish she would go to another church. I wish he would keep his mouth shut. All these kind of things. That's not love. 
Love covers a multitude of sins, said the prophet. My friend, let us heed this exhortation. Watch ye, stand fast in the faith, quit ye like men, be strong. Don't be like, like babies, be strong, be men. But let everything be done with love. And then he began to say a word concerning submission to spiritual leaders. Just a brief word. I beseech you, brethren, you know the house of Stephanus. It is the first fruits of Achaia, and that they have, a, they have given themselves to the ministry of the saints. Do you remember in, in first chapter, it talks about Stephanus. He said, I don't want to adapt anybody except Stephanus. I think possibly they were the, they, possibly Paul met Stephanus in his home and led that family to the Lord and became the, the center for the testimony of the gospel in Corinth. And Stephanus, who had given himself, transformed from a pagan, possibly, into a saint of God. And he gave himself to the ministry of the saints. Then Paul says, you should submit yourselves to such, to everyone that helpeth with us, and laboreth. I am glad of the coming of Stephanus and Fortunus and Achaius, for that which was lacking on your part, they have supplied, for they have refreshed my spirit and yours. Therefore, acknowledge you them that are such. Be submissive to spiritual leaders. Do you remember you have that in the book of Hebrews chapter 13? I'll just tell you what verses you ought to read in verse 7 and verse 17 of Hebrews chapter 13. It's a marvelous thing. You take Paul and these three fellows, Sephanus, Fortunus, and Achaius. These fellows came along and helped Paul. They began to give to their missionary, if you please, and Paul thanked the Lord for them because he said they, they, they supplied that which was lacking on your part. They supplied it. And they've refreshed my spirit and they refresh yours. Aren't you glad that you have a man like Stephanus and Fortunus and Achaius, these men who sacrificed because of their love for the Savior, they stood by Paul in his great need. And then you have his final word, Salutations 19 to 24. The churches of Asia salute you. Aquila and Priscilla salute you much in the Lord with the church that is in their house. This dear couple, Aquila and Priscilla, who had been chased out of Rome. Paul met them down there in Corinth. He stayed with them, made tents with them, you remember. And now they have left Corinth and they're at Ephesus and the church is in their house. All the brethren greet you, greet you one another with a holy kiss. <laughs> Now, don't you come along to me and say, Dr. Mitchell, I'm going to kiss you with a holy kiss. Now, in those days, it was quite common for the women to kiss women and the men to kiss men. You go to Eastern Europe, you have the same thing. Men kiss men and women kiss women. What he's talking about here, I believe, is be genuine. Be genuine with each other. I've already mentioned that. The salutation of me, Paul, with my own hand. Paul wrote with his own hand okaying what has been said in the epistle. Now, verse 22. If any man love not the Lord Jesus Christ, let him be anathema. Let him be accursed. That's a sad thing, isn't it? What a terrible thing. If any man let love not the Lord Jesus Christ, the judgment of God is going to be upon him. Judgment upon those not loving the Lord Jesus. My friend, do you love the Lord Jesus Christ? 
If not, may I plead with you to accept the Lord Jesus as your Savior. He died that you might live. The curse of God. Or if I may be literal in this manner, the word anathema, of course, is the Greek word. We translate it accursed, devoted to judgment. When? When the Lord comes. Maranatha, the Lord cometh. Not an Aramaic word. I remind you of John 5, 24. He that heareth my words and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life, shall not come into judgment, shall not be an accursed thing, but passes from death to life. And may I plead with you, if you've never accepted the Savior, to put your trust in him, pass from death to life. One further word. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. My love be with all, with you all, in Christ Jesus. Isn't that precious? My love for you. I'd like you to read that first book of Corinthians again. Take the 16th chapter and notice the wonder of it all. And I just close again. If there's anyone listening to my voice, will you take my, will you mark that verse? If any man doesn't love the Lord Jesus Christ. He's on the road to judgment. May God grant you'll accept him today. Pass from death to life. Thank you for listening to the Unchanging Word Bible Study today. We trust that your hearts have been blessed and encouraged through the study of God's Word. And so until next time, this is the Unchanging Word Bible Broadcast. Life begins at